series about getting a grip on all of our relationships, wherever we are, getting a grip on love. And honestly, the goal of this series, let me just tell you right up front, is for you to have a healthy relationship, not for you to get in one. If, if you just aren't you know, in one, you think, man, by the end of this, hopefully I, I find somebody. or something. Maybe that'll happen, maybe it won't happen. I'm not trying to get you out of whatever relationship you're in. Some people, married people, go into this series thinking, this is my way out. He's going to tell me something, I can leave this joker finally behind. I'm not, going, I'm not telling you that. I, my goal in this is to help you have a healthy relationship where God is at the center of your relationship and it's healthy. And, and honestly, uh, that's hard to do because we're not going to answer all the questions uh, today or in this series, but we are going to start a conversation today. And over the next couple of weeks, I'll kind of tell you where we're going. We'll take a whole week and talk about singleness and dating and how to do that and honor God and just what all that means. We're going to take a whole week and talk to married people, how to have a marriage that honors God and, and, and how to put God in the center of your marriage if you're not married and you want to be, uh, how to help you there if you're engaged and about to get married, how to help you with all of that. Uh, if you're married and trying to get unmarried, trying to help you not do that, just what all of that stuff together. And then we're going to take a whole week. I really felt like the Holy Spirit talked to my heart about this when I was preparing for this series for you. Uh, I'm going to take a whole week and I'm going to preach uh, about uh, defeating and overcoming sexual strongholds in your life. Uh, I believe we live in a sex inundated culture. And frankly, everything that we hear about it from the world is just backwards of God's idea. And I want to help you get free from that. We are a culture addicted to sensuality and sexuality and porn. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to break it off of this church. Everybody shout amen to that. So that's going to be a fantastic Sunday. But let me go ahead and give you a precursor to all of that. We are dubbing this series PG-13. Now, I promise you this. I won't say anything that embarrasses you. I don't believe in preachers being shock, you know, and... I don't, we just don't do that here. I'm not going to do anything that would you know, cross the line or, or be over the limit. However, I am going to talk seriously about what the Bible says about relationships and sex and culture and that sort of stuff. And honestly, I would rather hear it here. I would rather your 15-year-old child hear it in God's house, what God says about it, than I would in a locker room and what their friends say about it. Amen, everybody? So I, I, I really think it's important. I don't apologize for preaching this way. But just in case you have little ears, we are going to call this PG-13, so just a heads up on all that. People ask, why do you do this kind of series every year? Why do you do it, uh, you know, like every year in your preaching calendar, you're always talking about relationships. Here's the reason why. Because I, I really believe that you can have a great relationship, but some people have just sworn that off. You just really honestly have said, look, I don't know if this is even possible. I don't even know if it's possible to have a good relationship. And I want you to get it right, and I'd love for you to get it right the first time. But some of you have decided that they're only bad relationships. There aren't any good ones. That, you know, whatever you've seen maybe in your house and, you know, your family, your mom and dad, it was a not a good marriage. They slept in separate rooms or fought all the time or, or even worse, maybe abuse and yelling and, and addiction and just crazy stuff and maybe even divorce and brokenness and you were traded back and forth or maybe having to live with other family, and you just think, man, if that's marriage and if that's a relationship, I sure don't want that. And the worst thing, listen close, is when, that, it, when you come from an environment like that that has this Christian kind of you know, idea around it, and you think, man, now you're mixing up in your head, well, if that's Christianity and a relationship, I don't want anything to do with either one of them. 
and you've kind of sworn off, you know, that this is not, this is, all, all marriages are bad. I've decided never to get married because all marriages are bad. I've never seen a good one. All of my friends have bad marriages. My parents had a bad marriage. Nothing else is right. Some of you've waited till, you know, forever to get married. You just, you just keep pushing it back, you know, because, you know, 40 is the new 20. At least that's what I'm telling myself as I stare at 40. Like, you just start thinking, you know, I can do this later in life because I just, I don't know if I find the right one. And you just decide, Man, I, I don't even know if there's hope really for me to have a good relationship, a good marriage. And let me just go ahead and I'm going to start pretty hard. I'm going to punch you right in the throat and then I'll love on you here in a little bit. But listen close. If every relationship you've ever had is bad, you're going to have to at some point look in the mirror and think, you know, I'm kind of the common denominator in all of my bad relationships. Like maybe it's me or there's something about me. There's some stuff that God needs to work in me. And I really want you to approach this series that way. Even though it's called This Is Us, I want you to think about this is me. Like this is, I, I need to know what God's saying to me. A lot of times what we do in relationship series, you get in the car and you've taken a bunch of notes. And you kind of slide them across the dash to your partner and you're like, hey, I think, he, I think he said something to you. I don't know if you wrote this down. I thought this was so good, what he said about this thing. But I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you, everybody. And I really want you to have a good relationship. And listen, I want to give you hope, everybody, that it really can work. That you don't have to buy into what our culture says about marriage and about sex and about relationships and about dating and about hooking up. You don't have to buy into all of that stuff. And so I want to give you a foundation today. The next couple of weeks we'll get a little bit more specific about your stage of life, wherever you are in relationships. But I want to kind of give you some groundwork today and lay the groundwork for that. And we're going to start at a very important starting point today. That if you don't grasp, I don't think you'll ever really have a healthy relationship. I, I, don't, I don't think you're starting at the right point. I don't, I don't think you have the right foundation. Because there's so many unhealthy messages about relationships on TV and radio and songs. I have a six-year-old little girl and we were riding in the car the other day and the radio was on. And my six-year-old little girl listens to everything. How many of y'all got nosy kids? Where you at? Raise your hand. My this nosy little girl. She's always asking, and we don't talk about you, and, and we, when we do, we only talk positive about you, but sometimes my little girl will say, are you, are you talking, who are you, and she'll, she'll think, you know, we're talking, we were listening to the radio the other day, and the song was on, it was a Maroon 5 song called Animals, and you know what I'm talking about right there, don't raise your hands, don't, don't raise your hands. And the lyrics of this song, I start listening, and my little girl is saying, like she hears the repeating, and I'm praying on you tonight, and I'm going, praying on you tonight, animals, what? And I start pushing every button, and my windshield wipers are on, the heater's on, I'm just, I'm, we start singing, amazing grace, anything but animals praying on you tonight. But that's the culture that we live in. And those are the most popular songs. And we get this bad idea. It's, listen, it's not wheels on the bus go round and round anymore, everybody. We have all these unhealthy messages coming to us about sex and about relationships and all this stuff's flying around. And the, and the worst part is we can't stop singing it because it's the best song. You know, like, I love Maroon 5. Why did they have to talk about this? Like, it just gets stuck in your head. And before you know it, you start living out the message that you didn't inadvertently you allowed into your life about relationships. And we end up but with, with all of this pressure. We're inundated with pressure for relationships. i got to be in a relationship on Facebook. What are people going to think if I don't have a relationship status? You'll make up a fake relationship status. Some of y'all will fake another account just so you can be in a relationship with a fake person. 
Because i got to be in a relationship. i got to get married. I got, I know, <laughs> one of the things I do at, at meeting with you know, young people, 19, 20-year-olds that meet and come to my office or meet at a coffee shop and say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. And I say, honey, how old are you? I'm 22. I just don't know if I'm ever going to find the one. And I'm thinking, why do you have this pressure you've done? Like you, you don't even have it fully developed who you are. i got to find a man. i got to find a woman. And listen... It creates all sorts of anxiety and worry and and insecurity about yourself. If you're single, you feel like you're missing out and all the married people are having fun. If you're not connected to your partner romantically, you feel like something's wrong with me and I'm a loser and and, and I'm ugly and some of you dudes are. That really is your problem. But (laughs) I can't help you. This series is not going to help you with none of that. If you're not married, you start thinking, what good is my life? I don't have anything of value. I don't have kids yet. We're not married yet. There's so much pressure. Married people start thinking, surely this has got to get better. You start watching stuff like this on television. And listen, if you're not careful, you'll start comparing your relationship to a fake relationship with actors. Sometimes while tears are shooting out of my eyeballs in this show, I go, these people aren't real. These people aren't real. These people aren't real. Like, this isn't real life, everybody. But we have all this pressure that it's got to be better than this. And ultimately, all of this negativity surrounding our relationships and sex and and, and dating and marriage and all of that stuff, it results in the most unhappy people. And relationships that are fake and facades and you're laughing and smiling on the outside. But you go in home and you don't talk to one another. You sleep in separate rooms. You get in the car and you just stare out the windows. And you're ultimately unhappy. There's so much craziness floating around in all of our world about relationships. It's, honestly, it's hard to nail down what a good relationship is. It really is. It's sort of hard to nail down what a healthy relationship, what a biblical relationship is supposed to look like. I always love it when people say, I believe in a biblical example of marriage. That's super funny to me. Because if you read the Old Testament, your boy Solomon had 900 women at the house. Y'all don't want no biblical marriage like that. Y'all, you can't, that one you got don't like you. You can't handle 899 more. So what is a biblical marriage? And what's a healthy marriage? And what's a healthy relationship? And how can we experience it in our life? How many of you guys know Michael Blue Blay? All of my Michael Blue Blay, raise your hands, everybody. Men, you better get to know it. If you're married, that junk will help you. Come on. There's an old Michael Buble song that says you're nobody until somebody loves you. You know what I'm talking about? You ever ever heard that song? Sure, if you know him. But I'm going to tell you just the opposite today. Here's the big idea today. Here's the foundation of what I think you need to know. Before we move on to you talking about your marriage or if you're dating and single and how to do that and sexual addiction and sexual strongholds and all of that stuff, before any of that comes, you've got to get this settled. If you're taking notes, write this down. Listen close. You know I believe you take notes. You'll go to heaven. That's just the way it is. You don't need somebody to be somebody. You don't need somebody to be somebody. The biggest lie of our culture says, I have to have another person before I'm a whole person. We even use sentences like this, he's my better half. As though I wasn't whole without him. As though I wasn't whole without her. And, and culture will tell you, you're nobody till you get somebody. And when you get somebody, now you're somebody. But listen close. I really think that just completely opposite of that. I think the Bible flips the script on culture. You don't need somebody to be somebody. Shout amen to that, everybody. The reason is, is because you are somebody, not because you got somebody, but because God says you are somebody. 
You, you, until you learn to live sort of in the idea that I don't need somebody else to be somebody in this world, you will continually be frustrated. Listen close. Because you're trying to get something from somebody that they can't ever give you. You're trying to find your identity in your relationship, in your boyfriend, in your girlfriend, in your fiancé, in your wife, and your husband. You're going to them to give you some identity that they can't ever give you. They didn't create you, everybody. They didn't form you in your mother's womb is what the Bible says about God our creator. They didn't know you in every day that you would live. They wrote down in their book the way that God describes you. But we get in these relationships and we think, man, as soon as I find somebody, marry somebody, as soon as he says yes, then I'll have identity. And we spend 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of our lives trying to get our identity from them. And it was never supposed to be them to begin with. You don't need somebody to be somebody. Let me, let me sort of tell you uh, how that plays out in the Bible. We're looking at Matthew 6 today as our kind of passage. I'm going to read a couple of them. We'll divide it all up. Turn there in your Bibles, Matthew 6. Here's what Jesus would say. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. How many of you know worrying people? Where are you at right now? All my worriers. Raise your hand. I'm, I, I can see you. Yeah, I know. Y'all worried I'm going to go long today. Y'all worried, about, y'all worried about where we're eating today. <laughs> worry, don't, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. All the men shout amen to that. You got enough. <laughs> Isn't life more than food? I didn't believe that was true during our 21-day fast, but any, apparently it is. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Listen close. Look at the birds, verse 26 says. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. But somehow they're fed. How? Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you, here's the line I want you to underline in your Bible, aren't you far more, here's the word, valuable to Him, to God, than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? This rhetorical question about value in your life. Listen close. It is your value that sets the table for every relationship that you're ever going to have. This discussion today is it's all around your value, where you how you decide who gives you value. You don't need somebody else's approval or acceptance to give you value. You can't find personal value in other people in your spouse and your boyfriend in a relationship in your kids. Come on, moms, you can't find value in your kids. It's, it's, I see it all the time on social media, young mothers who get on social media and they believe the lie that all of those young mothers who are posting those pictures of their kids dress like that from Target and that's the way they always look. And why do they always come out that way? And I'm a terrible mother. Look at my eyes, all the mothers in the house. Look at me. Their kids wear diapers all day long and have SpaghettiO stains all over their chest. They just dress them up for Instagram just like you do. That's not real life. Shout amen to that, everybody. But so many moms struggle with value. I don't have enough. You struggle. You see other couples snuggled up and you think, man, I wish I had that. I, I, I don't know. I, why, why didn't that happen? Why don't we have that? Listen, you try to find value from everybody else, your kids, your spouse, your dating relationship, but your value comes only from God. The Bible said He is the one. You are far more valuable than all of this. Stop worrying about your value. It comes from God. Write this down if you're taking notes. Here's the first thing. If you're going to have a healthy relationship, you've got to learn how to rest in your value. You're going to have to learn how to just rest in the fact that God calls you valuable, that God declares that you have intrinsic value. 
that God says you're valuable before anybody else comes into your life, any other relationship, your spouse, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiancé, before any of those people come, God says, because you're my child, I call you valuable. Shout amen to that, everybody. No, nobody knows this better than parents. Listen, parents understand this more than anybody else because you give val- you have value in your children. You give them value before anything else happens in their life. Now, I think especially dads of daughters. Where are all of my dads of daughters at? Where are you at? Raise your hands. Guys, we're a special breed. Come on, somebody. Y'all come at me right now. This is Texas. You may get shot right now. Y'all don't even know. This is a special breed, dads of daughters. I was studying for this message, and I have a friend in Florida who's actually a pastor who wrote five rules for dating my daughter. I thought they were good. I've decided to adopt them for mine. Let me read them to you. Number one, if you're going to date my daughter, if you roll up in my driveway and honk, you better be delivering something because you sure aren't picking something up. Come on, somebody. Don't come in my driveway honking unless you got a pizza out there. You don't come here asking my little girl to come out with you honking that horn. Number two, you will come to my door and you will meet me. And during the hour that my daughter gets ready, you and I will have a conversation. And appropriate topics will include church, your spiritual life, your grades, your future plans, and my gun collection. Amen, everybody. (laughs) Do not mumble. Do not fidget. Don't hide behind your iPhone. Don't play video games. Don't text. Don't tweet. Don't squirm. Don't scratch. Don't pick anything. And if this is too difficult, you may want to wait outside and wash my truck. Number three, if you date my daughter... Don't wear your underwear six inches above your oversized pants. If that's your sense of fashion, that's perfectly fine with me. I do not care about your fashion. I do care about function. My concern is that those baggy pants are going to slip off of your skinny butt and nobody is taking their pants off on a date with my daughter. Shout amen to that, everybody. Yeah. Laugh about it. Try to bring your boy around my house. Number four, bring my daughter home on time. And by that I mean early. That's what I meant by on time. I mean earlier than I told you. Number five, the Bible says sex is reserved exclusively for marriage. The world says sex is no big deal. You can just use protection so you don't get hurt. But listen to me, young man. If you disregard my rules, there will be no protection from the hurt that I reserve exclusively for you. That's my rules. You want to know what it is? William, that's where we're at right now. You and our baby girls, that's where we're at right now. You know why? Because I value my little girl long before some hairy leg boy shows up and tries to give her value. I value my little boy long before some little girl with eyelashes doing this right here. My little boy's over here sleeping in church right now. That's how he rolls. I value him more. Y'all looking at him now. I value him more than a girl that shows up. Look in my eyes, everybody. Listen to me. God, your father, puts value on you before any other person shows up in your life. Your husband doesn't have to show up for God to call you valuable. Your wife doesn't have to show up before God gives you value. You have value because you're a child of the Most High God. Shout amen to that. God, I promised I was going to teach normal today. Your parents, you get it. Listen, your dad, you get it. When it comes to our kids, there's this value that we place on them. Because I love my children long before anybody else shows up. Listen to me. God is saying to you, you're His children and I love you just like you are. And I give you value before any other relationship shows up in your life. You have value because your father says you have value. You have value because your father says. Your relationship status doesn't give you value. Your relationship with God does. I read an article the other day. 
online. I don't subscribe to Vogue magazine anyway, whatever. But I read an article of Jennifer Lawrence on Vogue magazine. You know Jennifer Lawrence. She confessed that she's not asked out very much. She doesn't go on very many dates. and She spends a lot of weekends at home with her cats. That's what she said in this article. And she created, why are y'all looking at that? All the single dudes just keep looking over here. I'm preaching right here, everybody. She, she, said, she said, I don't get asked out much and I stay at home and I stay home with my cats. And the, uh, on, the internet blew up and she created this whole online firestorm. They, they kept talking about how, oh my gosh, Jennifer Lawrence is lonely and she's depressed and she's the cat lady. and Like she has nobody. And I loved her response. Listen to this. This is an exact quote. She said, I'm not a lonely person. It's not sad to be alone. I don't feel like I lack something not being in a relationship. Well, why did the internet go crazy? Let me tell you why. Because in our culture, it doesn't get broadcast very much that you can be alone and still be okay. Everybody thinks i got to have somebody to be somebody. But you don't need anybody to be somebody. Shout amen to that, everybody. If you're single, listen, it's not a stigma. It's an opportunity. Let me help single people in the room or divorced or single again listen to me if you're single that is not a stigma it's an opportunity in your life it's an opportunity for you to do some stuff I found some facts about single people single people are physically healthier than than married people you have more time you have more motivation to go to the gym research shows that two out of three people who get into a relationship gain 14 pounds in their first year everybody Oh yeah, some of y'all, I'm still wearing that 14, 18 years later, (laughs) I'm still wearing that. Some of you think, man, as soon as I get in a relationship, you better get some bigger britches because single is not necessarily a stigma, it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity, you don't have to be in as much debt, single people carry less credit card debt than married people. Married people get married and they start buying stuff they can't afford on credit to impress their neighbors who they don't even know. You're single, you don't have to have that problem. There's less stress. You can spend more time on your chores. You can travel more. You can seize more opportunity. Listen close. If you're single today, you have a great opportunity to break from the bad patterns of your past and your relationships. You have a special opportunity if you're single to give yourself completely to God, to serve God, to serve other people, to focus on Him first and foremost. Listen close. It is not a stigma to be single because you don't need somebody to be somebody. And our culture tells you that your value comes from somebody else. But God says, no, 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 I value you because you're a child of mine. I'd suggest to you, listen close. If you don't understand your value as a single person, and you think marriage is going to fix that problem, then you'll get married asking your spouse to give you value. And 25 years later, you'll be sitting in my office or one of our counselor's office talking about how he can't meet your needs. Let me, let, me, let me decipher the code of meet my needs. It means I don't feel valued. Because I looked for value from him. I looked for value from her. No, no, no. My value doesn't come from them. My value comes from God. Say amen to that everybody. That's why I love this church. Because at City Hills we value everybody. Everybody. Everybody matters. I, when we started this church, we looked at our launch team, a group of about 35 people. It's turned into hundreds and hundreds of people now. But about a year and a half ago, we looked at these people and we said, listen, this church is going to be for everybody. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what background you have. I don't care if you're white collar or blue collar or don't have a shirt with a collar on. I don't care if you were raised in the projects or the country club, how much money you have. None of that matters to me. Everybody matters to God. Everybody's got value. Everybody's got value. 
Everybody matters to God. Every member is a minister. Everybody's attend somewhere. Everybody has value. Not because I said so, because God gives you your value. Shout amen to that, everybody. i got to hurry up so we can baptize a bunch of people. Number two, if you're taking notes. you got to rest in your value and you got to trust in your security. you got to trust in the security that God gives you. Matthew 6 continues on like this. Why do you worry about your clothing? Some of you need to look at your spouse and ask them this. Why do you worry about Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his splendor and all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they were. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here one day and cut down and thrown into the fire tomorrow, here's the line to underline. He will certainly care. For you, that my security is not in other stuff. It's not in my appearance. It's not in my clothing. It's not. We get so focused on our outside and what I look like. And listen, I got no problem with you trying to take care of yourself and looking great. But my security does not come in whether you think I look good or not. God's gonna care for me. We can't find security in other things. I, I read something, a funny stat the other day that women look in the mirror sixteen times a day. And men look in the mirror on average 23 times a day. <laughs> and when, when women look in the mirror, they notice the things they don't like about themselves. And men notice the thing they do like about themselves. <laughs> like, you, you could have gained 100 pounds, man. You walk by the mirror and tell my daddy still got it. Look at him. I see you, boy. Look at you. Looking terrible. I ain't took a bath in a week. Talking about, look, look at daddy. Look at me coming here. Just Because we always see what we like. Women, it don't matter how much money you spend on beauty products. You come back from the salon. You've done facials and pills and all kinds of crazy stuff to your head and hair. and Just napalm everywhere, whatever. And you look in the mirror and the first thing you say is, I hate myself. I hate my hair. Wish I could shave my hair off right now and just start all over. How many of y'all married to somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. No, no. Don't, don't raise your hand. You, go, you won't stay married. I just wish I could shave my hair just like a chia pet. I'd just start all over. I'd just plant new seed and start over. I hate the way I look. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you trying to look good, but listen close. Your security doesn't come from what other people say looks good. Your security doesn't come from what everybody else looks at in you. Your security does not come from people saying they like your outfit or they like your Instagram post. Your security comes from God. Your security comes from God cares about me. He cares about me just like I am. Shout amen to that everybody. So many of us have irrational body image anxieties. I have irrational body image anxieties. One of the reasons why we've yet to do video in our church, we have an audio podcast of, of all of my messages, but we won't do video yet because I, we can't figure out how to put a video camera and not make me look like an Oompa Loompa up here because I'm so short. We just can't, we can't, I just have to stand up here all the time just so, so I look normal height to everybody. We can't. Everybody has, now I can't get down. Everybody has some issue. Everybody has, I'm worried about my nose going this direction. I broke my nose when I was a young kid. and One side goes that way and the other side goes that way. Everybody sees that stuff. You have irrational things about your body and irrational fears about how you look. But listen to me. So many of us have lived our whole faith journey with irrational fears about who we are. 
Somebody told you you were fat. Somebody told you you weren't pretty. Somebody told you you weren't enough. Somebody told you nobody would ever love you like you are. And God is saying, listen, if I care about wildflowers, if I feed them and care for them, how much more will God certainly care and give you security in who you are in Him? Shout amen to that, everybody. you got to learn how to rest in the value that God's given you. you got to learn how to rest in the security that God offers you that He cares for you, that you don't need somebody to be somebody. I don't need somebody paying my bills for me. You don't have to get married just so you can have a financial future. God will take care of us. We don't have to just compromise on who we are. If I don't have sex with Him, if we don't get engaged today, if we don't get married tomorrow, then He's going to leave. I'll never have somebody again. Listen to me. God cares for you. you got to learn to rest in the security God offers you. Say amen to that. Here's the last thing. I'm trying to hurry you got to find your value in God and only in God, not in your spouse, not in your partner, not in your relationship. you got to find security, real that I'm secure in who I am, how I look, what I got. In God, because God cares for me. And here's the last thing, and honestly, I saved it last because it's probably the most important. In order, it probably should be first in your life, and this is this. If you're going to have a healthy relationship, you got to learn how to seek God in everything. Above everything else in your life, listen to me, above a partner, above a relationship, above financial security, above a place to live, above somebody telling you you're pretty, above somebody giving you value and making you feel like you're important. We've got to learn how to seek God above everything else. Because here's what happens in our lives. When we get in relationships, this is what happens to me, happens to you. Everything in our life begins to orbit around that relationship. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know somebody, that girl or that guy, who every time they get in a relationship, their Facebook feed suddenly blows up to this person. Like it's, they change their profile picture, their cover photo. Everything's about this person. I found the love of my life, and they just met them three and a half days ago, everybody. But everything is about, they get all consumed about, they say half of your brain shuts down when you fall in love. You just, you can't figure out what's going on. Like it just, everything starts revolving around him. When I started dating Brandy, everything revolved around Brandy. It was all her, all of the time. And listen, that's okay until, until there's a point when you realize you've made this person your everything. Everything now is about that person. And and you start realizing, oh my gosh, my whole life is now about them, and this could get awkward. I love I love Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's my favorite light night host. All my Jimmy Fallon fans, where are you at right now? I don't love everything he does, but I love when he does hashtag awkward dates. These are some of my funniest. I, I found these on the internet. These are some of my favorite. Here's the first one. She said, at the end of the first date, I asked if she'd like to go out again. She said she was going to take a break from dating for a while. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm okay. Honestly, I think I'm going to take a year off. I'm just, I, I don't, this is, this is kind of the end for me. <laughs> here's, the, here's the second one. He's, at one time, my date told me he had to keep his phone out because his ex could be going into labor at any time. Oh, oh. listen, we can stay here long, but I, my son's about to be born. I probably need to go like whenever. Are you kidding me? This is my favorite one. I don't know why this one's so funny to me, but she says she gets in the car. When I got into the car on the first date, he looks at me and says, Welcome to my lair, said the spider to the fly. <laughs> no second date. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Oh, that got me. Some of you guys are dating people just like that right there. 
You start dating and you, and you make this person your everything and then you realize this person's a weirdo. I've made them my everything and they have faults. They have issues. They're mean sometimes. Their breath stinks in the morning. The only reason you should know that is if you're married to them. They have a bad hair day. They don't even have real hair. It was a weave all along. I didn't, I didn't even know. They chew really loud. How many of you hate loud chewers? Where are you at right now? I hate loud chewers. I want to die. They don't answer the phone when I call them. A hundred times when I call them, they don't answer the phone. They put your keys in their purse, a woman over there who I'm married to. You just, you, just, you just realize when you make them your everything, they have flaws. Now listen, here's the problem with that. Meanwhile, while they're becoming your everything, your purpose, your life, your value, your identity is revolving around them and they have issues and now you realize your identity Identity is tied up with issues. And you've got problems. And you've got quirks. And you've got issues because you've surrounded it around them. Everything. Now you're wrestling with your identity because they're wrestling with theirs. Because of their issues. And it's so unfair. It's completely unfair for you to enter this relationship believing that that person is going to be able to give you everything that you need. But we make them everything. We go to everything and we ask our spouse or our future spouse to do something they just aren't equipped to do. And we make them, our whole world revolves around them and they become our everything. How do we fix it? How do we fix it before we get married? How do we fix it once we're married? I've made them my everything. Now their flaws are showing up. Now we have issues because they have issues. What do I do? Here's the end of the passage. Henry, come play for them so they think I'm closing. Matthew 6 and 31 says it like this. So don't worry about these things. No, wait, don't read ahead. Don't worry about these things. Some of you have come to this series, come to this church today, worried about your relationships. You're in church solely because you're trying to find help for a marriage that's broken. You're here worried about your relationship. You're dating and you know that it's not right. You, you've taken the relationship physical and now you're involved sexually with somebody that you don't know how. To get away. You're hurting and your identity. You don't even know who you are anymore because I've made it all about them. And I don't even know who I am. And Jesus ends this whole discourse. And he says, Don't worry about these things. Saying, What will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? Listen close. All of that stuff dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But you live differently. Your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Listen to me. Look at my eyes. Married people who are hurting. God knows. Single people who are struggling with your identity and your value. God knows. Engaged folks that are wondering, did I pick the right one? Is this really forever? God knows. 25, 35, 45 years and then he walks out. She leaves you for somebody else and you're wondering, will I ever find real love again? God knows. So what do I do? What do I do now? How do I get a healthy relationship? Like before we talk about single and married and sex and all that stuff coming up in this series, what's the first thing I got to do? Here's your marching orders. Listen closely. Directly from Jesus Christ. Here's what he said. Seek the kingdom of God above 
all else. Don't seek another relationship. Don't seek another partner. Don't seek another person. Don't, don't seek another day. Don't seek another like on Facebook or Instagram so you can get value from them. No, no, no. You got to go to God and say, God, I got to have some help because God already knows and He'll give you everything that you need. Listen to me. Look in my eyes. He won't give you everything you need. She won't give you everything you need. But God will. If you put Him first, wherever you are today, if you're struggling in your marriage, seek God. If you're struggling with being single today, seek God. If you're struggling being single again, seek God. If your kids are driving you nuts, seek God. If wherever you are, whatever you're worried about, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And He'll give you everything.